Let's turn together for the second time in this series of studies in the book of Ruth to the book of Ruth. Last week we considered the tears, the going away. We move on in chapter 1 this evening to verse 8, thinking about the tears, the coming home. So let's read Ruth chapter 1 verse 8 and we'll go through to verse 22. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to your dead and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will will find rest in the home of another husband. And she kissed them. And they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could come become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more better for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. But Ruth clung to her. Luke, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you from me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them, and the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. This is the word of God. May God bless his word to our hearts this evening. I have four points as we consider the tears that are coming home. However, I fear we will get no further than the first. So bear with me if I use 
much of this material for another occasion. Because I want to begin by focusing upon what I call the example. The example, Naomi's example, in point of fact. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 18 and 20, A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Thus, he says, by the fruit, you will recognize them. James wrote in James 2, 14 and 17, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? By Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Real faith, my friends, can always be measured by its loving fruit. And Ruth the Moabiteess, who comes to faith herself in Naomi's God, must have learned from Naomi something of the reality of faith. By experiencing faith's benefits in her mother-in-law's active love towards her. It is my conviction that Naomi's unshaken faith in the providence of Yahweh her God showed itself Active in love. Remember Paul's writing to the Galatians in chapter 5 verse 6. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I very lovingly look around my congregation this evening. And I say this. You say you have faith. Prove it. You say you have faith. Prove it. Naomi's unshaken faith in her God was proven by her example of love. I wonder, have others come to faith in our God? As Ruth came to faith in Naomi's God, because they have learned from our lives, from our actions, something of the reality of faith. Naomi's life was an example of the reality of faith. No question about that. When we analyze Ruth's final response, it seems, to Naomi in verses 16 through 17, you are impressed, are you not, that Naomi's example led to Ruth's response. In fact, she even calls Lord Yahweh, may Yahweh deal with me ever so severely. Uh, The sense in which this conversion was real. She trusted 
in Naomi's God. Because of Naomi's example. I wonder, payday one day. When we stand before the throne of God to give an account. How many others will join us? Because of our faith example. As we think about being examples to others, it is helpful to consider a number of basic principles. I've listed four here. I could have gone on, I guess. But allow me to share them with you. Four basic principles as we consider the example of the reality of faith. The first is this. In the Bible, I want you to note that being a godly example is not an option. It is a command. Being a godly example for the child of God is not an option. It's not something we can tag on to to the rest of our week, especially if we have nothing better to do. It is a command. It was certainly the expectation of the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians 1, 11 verse 1, he wrote, Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. He wrote later in 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 6 through 7, You become imitators of us and of the Lord. And you become a model to all the believers. This wasn't just the Apostle Paul's expectation either. Peter wrote, remember in 1 Peter 1.15, just as he, God who called you, is holy, so be holy in all that you do, for it is written, be holy, for I am holy. My friends, being a godly example is not an option for us. If we are in Christ tonight, it is a command. It is being holy. There's that word. It's not popular in modern Christendom, is it? Holiness. Ah, you think that's for the super saints. That's for the pastors and the worship leaders alone. That's for those who regularly bring the word of God and preach or 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 evangelize. Really? Pray tell, where do you find that in your scripture? Please share it with me. I'll be intrigued. No, Peter wrote to the church, to the Christians. Equally, therefore, he wrote to you and to me. And the command of God is, be holy. I have news for you. If you are in Christ tonight, if you are born again of the Holy Spirit, then you are holy. Oh, yes. Because you can be no nothing other but set apart unto Jesus. And because you are holy in position, sanctified in Christ, then therefore, Your life expression, your faith expression is holy. Holy in position, holy in example. Not an optional extra. 
But I do understand the modern Christian mindset. And whenever one preaches of holiness, it's not that popular. Can't think why. My second principle is this. Like it or not, good, bad or indifferent, we have no choice but to be an example of some kind. Like it or not, good, bad or indifferent, we have no choice but to be an example of some kind. Our lives, my friends, your life and mine, will unequivocally, will have an impact on those around us. We cannot escape this reality. However, we do have a choice in the kind of impact that we will make. Someone somewhere is going to follow us. Someone somewhere is going to be influenced by the things that we say, by the attitudes that we hold, by the opinions that we express, by the deeds that we do. The question is, what kind of example is your life and mine? Are we providing the kind of example that will enhance the lives of others? Bless them. Encourage them. Are we providing the kind of example that will encourage others to the Savior we profess? I think it was Dr. Howard G. Hendricks, known affectionately as Prof who said in his recordings on leadership that I listened to, uh, oh gosh, a number of years ago now when I was preparing for Christian leadership, he says, I once saw a bumper sticker that said, don't follow me, I'm lost too. This should not be the bumper sticker on the rear of any Christian car. We should be able to say, please, please follow my example. Can we say that? Some Christians are like the commercial pilot who told his passengers on one occasion, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is we are lost. But the good news is, we're making good time. (laughs) Motion, my friends, in itself does not necessarily mean direction. You might think you're going forward. But without godly direction, where are you going? Where are you leading? Equally, activity in itself does not necessarily mean effectiveness. You might say to me, oh pastor, but I'm busy. I'm busy in the church. I'm busy doing my my Christian duty. But is your busyness effective? We can be like the cowboy at times who rushed into the corral 
bridled and saddled his horse and then rode off in all directions. We need to live quality lives with quality motion that is directed by the Holy Spirit in the right direction, therefore, with specific and biblical objectives. My third principle is this. We need Christian maturity that provides people with real, honest-to-God examples of what I've called authentic, Christ-like living. Effective ministry to others is often mistakably associated with things like a dynamic personality. Things like, oh, he's particularly talented, or oh, oh, she's very gifted. Effective ministry can be sometimes mistakenly associated with appropriate theological training. Maybe an enthusiastic spirit, or somebody who comes with a sense of charisma. But these things alone, my friends, are inadequate for effective ministry. As is so evident by the leadership we have seen in the top government positions of our country these last few months and years. Much, much more is needed. And in the Bible, the qualities that lead to effective ministry are found in the elements of spiritual character. In the character of Christ reproduced in us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We haven't the time, but when you go home, jot down here Ephesians 4.12 onwards. Galatians 5.22 onwards. The character of Christ reproduced in us Christians by the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That's why if the Holy Spirit is not here tonight, I, I certainly am wasting my time. You equally so. Holy Spirit. I was at uh, Moriah in Abercannon this morning and they opened the, the, the worship with that song. I, I, I've come to appreciate Holy Spirit, we welcome you. In his unique style, Professor Hendricks used to tell the story of a student who came to see him with a problem. Professor, he says, Professor, I have a problem. And the exchange, the interchange went something like this. Hey, Prof, I have a problem. Hendricks, yeah? And what's your problem? The student, why did the Lord choose Judas? Said the professor. Before I answered that, he says, I have a bigger problem. Oh, said the student, what might that be, prof? The bigger problem, said Hendricks, is why did the Lord choose you? And why did the Lord choose me? His point was, look at the disciples. How would you like to launch a worldwide campaign with the likes of Peter and his comrades? 
Yet with these common, average, uneducated men, the Lord launched a campaign that has spanned the globe, that has traversed the generations, that has turned the world upside down. Was this because the disciples were unique? Was this because the disciples were uh, imaginative in their methodologies? Was this because the disciples had dynamic personalities? Not at all. It was because they knew the Lord intimately. And on the day of Pentecost, the Lord was true to his word and came by his Holy Spirit and filled them. We need Christian maturity that provides people with real, honest-to-God examples of authentic, Christ-like living. How might people see these examples? Well, I'll tell you, if you didn't already know, that the Holy Spirit come and anoint the church. That the Holy Spirit come and anoint every single Christian in this room. That the Holy Spirit come and anoint Pastor Doug Atherton. That's how the world will be provided with examples of authentic Christ-like living. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. My fourth example, principle. But your Christians and Christian leaders have a responsibility to maintain a consistent example. It's one thing, brothers and sisters, to be an example tonight. It's another thing, being an example tomorrow morning. Or on Wednesday afternoon. Always a toughie. Thursday. Friday's a little easier to be an example, arguably, because, hey-ho, it's Friday, and it's the last working day of the week. And Saturday, ha-ha, we're in a good mood. We need Christians and Christian leaders who maintain a consistent example. No wonder the enemy is doing his worst these days to nullify the testimony of godly men and women by Bringing them into sin. Other than the raw power of the word of God itself. Nothing is so determinative for spiritual change in the lives of others as one's example. And as I show an example today, so I show a consistent example tomorrow and the day after and the day after that. This truth is taught quite straightforwardly in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 where Paul recalls his manner of life. He recalls the manner of life of his team, his ministerial team to the Thessalonians. Read it for yourself when you get home. And understanding this responsibility, it is little wonder, therefore, that Paul sought to exhort young Timothy, pastor at that time of the first century church in Ephesus. He says in 1 Timothy 4.16, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, he says, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your 
hear us. My friends, are you watching your life and your doctrine closely? Naomi's good example was evidenced in Ruth's amazing response of verses 16 and 17. Might I inquire about your example and mine tonight? Like Ruth with Naomi, are people attracted to our Savior because of the way we live? Are they attracted to Jesus because of the things we say? Are they attracted to the blessed things of God because of the attitudes we maintain or the expressions on our faces? Do our lives build the lives of others up, including Christian brothers and sisters, or do we crush them? It's a sobering thought, isn't it? That if we are not careful, our examples will crush and discourage and damage. So my four principles, friends. Being a godly example is not an option. It's a command. Like it or not, you are an example for those around you. Today, what kind of example are you? We need Christian maturity that provides people with a real, honest to God example of authentic Christ-like living. It comes by the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. My friends, how's your experience of the Holy Spirit? I'm not interested really on about your experience of past days or, or, or weeks or months or maybe for some of us even years. Good those experiences may well have been. Blessed though they will have been. What's your experience of the Holy Spirit tonight? Is He close? Is He speaking? And my friends, mature Christians and Christian leaders, we have a responsibility to maintain a consistent example. And I put it to you that in the flesh, this simply cannot be done. If I endeavor to live the Christian life in the flesh, then my example will be rocky at best. We must live in the Spirit. As He is in the Spirit. We must worship in the Spirit because God is Spirit. And if we are in any way, shape or form to have a spiritual impact on the hearts and lives of men and women, boys and girls, right here in Tratlin, right here in Pontypridd, we must live in the Spirit. So how's our, how's our experience of the Holy Spirit? Is he close? Can you hear that still small voice whispering 
blessed truth since your inner being? Is he shaping and molding you into a vessel that is fit for the master's use? Painful process though that is. Is he using you as a mere human conduit through which he endeavors to reach out to the lost and to the dying? How is your experience of the Holy Spirit? Naomi's example unquestionably led to the salvation of a pagan girl, Ruth. The Moabites. Do you want to know how significant that conversion was? <laughs> well, read up on your messianic line. Wow. Wow. How significant a, a soul that is. I am with an illustration. A good friend of mine, Reverend Peter Partington. He worked with the Evangelization Society for a number of years. And through his ministry with TES, he was I was introduced to his ministry when I was maybe 18, 19 years of age. I remember Peter on one occasion giving his testimony in my home church in Liverpool. It stirred my heart. Part of his testimony goes back to that time when he was working uh, as a factory worker on the shop floor of Vauxhall's uh, factory in Ellesmere Port in Merseyside. During his time working there, uh, he was wonderfully converted to Christ at a, at a tent campaign there on the Wirral. Wonderfully converted to Christ. And Christ transformed his life and turned him around. He was a different man. His language was changed. His disposition was changed. His demeanor was changed. His actions were changed. He was a different man. And so it wasn't long before on the factory floor at Ellesmere Port, people were talking about Peter Partington. He's gone off his rocker. Or that kind of thing. He was a different man. And when they inquired as to why he was different, the Lord saved me, he would say, unashamedly. The Lord's... Now you imagine that. Not many more difficult environments to witness than on the shop floor of a, a Vauxhall's factory, is there? The Lord saved me, he would say. Well, this went on for weeks. He was getting on all on the people's nerves in many ways. He was so changed. But one particular day, he sat down at the canteen, and a rather shy, bashful uh, friend, uh, a colleague, came and, and sat with him. And said, oh, good to hear, whispering half, good to hear about your, your testimony, about you coming to Christ. I am a Christian, he says. Peter Partington looked at him, amazed. He said, really? He said, really? Yes, I'm a Christian. Tell me, he said, how long have you been a Christian? Oh, about ten years. And Peter Potter said, how sad. I never knew. Ouch. Surely that man's example should have made it clear to all that he was Christ. How awful that a colleague you'd worked with for ten years didn't know. 
How's your example? How's mine? 